There isn't a one-size-fits-all marketing approach to selling real estate. And sure, there's best practices, but I think that you need to develop a strategy that's unique to your brand or your business and that highlights your superpower. So welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you find your superpower and exploring creative solutions to build a more visible brand that consistently delivers an exceptional customer experience. Whether you're selling real estate, loans, title, or escrow, doesn't matter. We've got you covered. Let's go. Welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast. Today, we're excited to welcome <laughs> Daniel Cross of Verse.io. He's going to be talking with us about lead contact conversion and some of the secrets and best practices to doing those things well. And this is a topic, you know, we talk a lot about the value of leads, how good leads are when they come in. But I mean, honestly, Ricardo said this on the show too. And, and in my experience, has taught me that leads are really, they're just a small part of the story. I mean, honestly, it's what you do with the leads that seems to be the thing that matters the most. Am I right, guys? I mean, that's, that's, that's a lesson we've learned time and time again. Yeah, no, 100% huge lesson. It, 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 leads are like bragging about uh, web traffic, right? Traffic is irrelevant if it's the wrong kind of traffic. So yeah, no, it's 100%. Lead, lead, all leads are not equal. So Verse.io is a company down in San Diego, which automatically gets some branding points with me because I'm a native San Diegan and love everything San Diego and everything LA sucks. Go to Hell Dodgers. So the bad part of LA. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> thing, guys, we were an all-inclusive podcast here. We hit everybody. Slash uh, tent city under... Well, let's not go there. So anyway, Daniel, welcome to the show. Let's dive in. First of all, tell us a little bit about Verse, how you guys got started and what makes you guys different from some of the other players that are out there. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Verse kind of... We, we got here really organically, which I think is one of the reasons why we've, we've been successful. We started as a lead generation company seven years ago for real estate agents. We were generating leads all over the country. So we would... The home light model, the Upness model, we would you know have three or four realtor partners in each metro. And then we would generate a lead through a website or through maybe a couple of different websites. And then we would pass the lead out to the agent and let them try to close it. And we'd collect a referral fee. And we found out, and this is kind of like how everyone finds it, everyone finds out this, but we would send a lead to a real estate agent and they would tell us they were calling it and tell us they were following up and they they would come back and just tell us, hey, that, that lead didn't work out. Give me another one, right? No. <laughs> well... Not to bag on the agents, but... Your leads just suck. The website we were using to generate the leads was called myagentfinder.com. Myagentfinder.com was where you would go and find an agent. So actually, the leads were really good. Looking at houses is sexy, but finding an agent is not like a sexy thing to do. So anybody who was filling out the form was actually pretty interested. So that's why we knew that the agents weren't doing a good job. Because we're like, these people are looking for an agent. Why? How is this not working out, right? We had hired a team to go follow up with the agents to make sure that they were following up the leads. And we were like, <laughs> this is stupid. What we should do is we should bring it all in-house, right? So we built up our own contact center. We trained people to call leads and to text leads and to follow up. And we started incubating the leads and not giving the leads to the agents until they were ready. And that's that's what we, we came to, the conclusion we came to in whatever, 2014, 2015. And then we realized, like just from people asking us, like we realized... First of all, this is a service that everyone wants. Like they started asking, can we send you our Zillow leads? Can we send you our other leads? Can you can your team go follow up with these? But then our sales team kept getting appointments with mortgage brokers and we kept getting appointments with 
insurance sales, man. We kept getting appointments like, and we were going, no, we only do this for real estate. And then realizing, oh, this isn't a real estate problem. This is a, this is a sales marketing problem. And, and it's, it exists in all the verticals. So as of right now, versus a, a 24-7 lead concierge in real estate, mortgage, home services, solar, financial services, basically anything where a lead's worth any money. So is there a non-obvious reason that following up with leads sucks so badly? Kind of. It goes into conversion rates, which I think we'll get into. So let's say a Facebook lead that doesn't... Like a short-form lead for a real estate ad or something. Like if you're getting a 10% conversion, that'd be pretty good, right? Like that's considered decent of a like 10% to appointment or qualified lead. So, and most agents are not doing the things that we're doing to get to that high conversion rate, which means that like nine and a half out of 10 of leads are, you know, 95 out of 100 leads are just going to be garbage or they're not interested or they don't respond. It's a conditioning, right? Like you just get conditioned that if you open a door and someone punches you in the face, like, Eventually, you just stop opening that door if, if only one out of 10 times if someone doesn't punch you in the face. In one way, there's not a lot of magic to it. It's leads are hard to follow up with because rejection sucks, right? Is that basically the gist? Well, there's that. And then there's what we learned about real estate agents, what they were doing with leads, how we got to this point was they were treating online leads like referrals. So they were going, you know, if, if your buddy sends you a referral and you call them the next day, it's fine, right? Like, oh, hey, Tom told me to reach out. You can't do that with online leads because those people are filling out forms everywhere and they have no loyalty to you. They don't love you. They don't care about you. They don't hmm. like you. They don't know what you offer. So if you're not on those, like right when they fill out the form, then you're probably going to be behind the eight ball and you're probably going to be the person leaving voicemails and chasing. So it, it's more about the online lead story versus like just the way old, you know, old ways that leads were generated is that. You have to just be faster. You have to have systems. You can't do it the way that they used to do it. So, and most people don't know that. So, they they struggle. Have you guys found any any consistency in like the number of attempts and the number of the the type of attempts that are required on average to contact? Again, that that's kind of a loaded question because again, the lead source has a lot to do with it. Whether it's just generic marketing or whether it's organic, and they know what they're you know they're filling out you know, they sought you out or whether you interrupted them while they were looking at pictures of their kids on Facebook or what have you. But have you seen any patterns at all on the effort that it takes to contact a lead? Yeah, you you hit it on the head with which is like intent is so much bigger than anything else. Like the number one question is like, okay, well, how many leads am I going to get? If I, if I give you a hundred, how many are you going <laughs> to send me? I don't know. Did you, t- did you put an ad on Facebook that says, you know, condos, $200,000 in Lahore? Call yeah. Ricardo and ask for a title <laughs> list. That would be a good prank. That would be a high level prank, wouldn't it? The oceanfront condos in, in Cardiff or in Encinitas, La Jolla. Call Ricardo. This is, <laughs> yeah, why so, this is why I don't give out my phone number, by the way. It is. <laughs> we'll, we'll post it in the show notes. Yeah, that's horrible. I, yeah, it, it's a, a lot of it's based on a bit, a lot of it's based on lead source success is always going to be like how, where are the leads coming from? Something like Zillow or realtor.com, like we convert on a, a lead that comes from Zillow, even for the mortgage side, we're around 40%. So, and, and that's on the higher end for all lead sources. The good thing for us is we had like a large volume of leads all the time. So we could, like, if we made a tiny tweak, we could see results really fast. Like, oh no, don't do that. Or yeah, put a text here or, you know, two texts on 20 minutes apart is better than two texts, you know, 10 minutes apart. So we, we fine tune that all the time and we make tweaks based on that. But 2018 hit and you guys probably 
like the robo dialers came in, right? When it started being that nobody answered their phone and, and it was the ubiquitousness or wide adoption of, of smartphones where people are like caller ID used to be a thing you'd have to pay for or, like, or you didn't have on your regular phone or whatever. And now that everyone has it and you're like, you just don't pick up the phone for anyone. So the same thing that we were doing three months earlier, which would be like double dial, you know, within five minutes, double dial, mixed text, double dial again, five minutes later, like that kind of stuff stopped working and text started to take over. So now we start everything with SMS, not only because it's gets a higher conversion rate and gets a higher uh, view rate, but we're, we're able to handle, handle larger volumes with it because we're only talking to people who are responsive. So to answer the question, like, yeah, there's cadences that we've played with, but we have right now is by no means the end of it, right? We, we have to keep improving. We have to keep optimizing. So I think that's a really important point because you're right. Things can shift in the market and all of a sudden what you did before doesn't work anymore. I think that's super important. You know, the other thing that came out and this is something. So before I found you, we tried all of these. There's a lot of automated follow up systems out there. Kind of these done for you. They said they drop ringless voicemails. They send out text messages. They send out emails. I had a couple of problems with it. First of all, it did seem to work to some extent. It seemed like a large percentage of their selling proposition was based on response rates, but it wasn't quality engagement. So they would say, look at how many people respond to our text. Mm. But they don't show you that all of the responses are <laughs> new phone. Who this? <laughs> I don't know who you are. You know, what do you want? Leave me alone. But they're like, look, we got a 60% response rate. And the problem I always had with that in my mind was I'm sitting here behind a desk with whatever distractions I have, and I'm trying to anticipate and I'm pigeonholing my client into how I think they want to communicate with me. And that's just not the way that we do business right now in this world. None of us as consumers, if somebody that feels like somebody is trying to anticipate what you want, you're kind of turned off by it. Consumers have all of the control in the, in the buying process, you know, these days. We can click someplace else. We can go fill something else out. And so that I had a challenge with. And then the other part of that is, yeah, you can have those things sent out, but I don't remember when all those texts went out. And if somebody does respond to the text, where am I? What am I doing? And am I on top of it immediately? And the answer is usually no. no. When we found you guys, you know, it was like, yeah, this seems like somebody 24-7. I love the fact that you guys are all stateside, actually San Diego side, right? Because, well, now you've got every, you've got people mobile, but you are all physically in your building in San Diego, right? Yeah. And now that everybody's remote, it doesn't matter. So we're like when we're hiring on concierge, we're kind of opening it up a little bit. COVID kind of pushed us over the edge of what, where we were going anyway. To build on your point, Scott, and, th- and this is probably something I would advise even if you don't ever hire verse and you're just doing your own. Like if you've got, if you want to do lead follow up and you want to use automation, automation's like obviously better than nothing. It's great. Like if you're a one person shop, like you should have automation to help you prioritize, right? Anybody who's responsive, you can talk to and anybody who's not like let the automation take care of it. But we start with every, every SMS that we send out, like for the first SMS always says, Hey, it's Alex with, you know, Ricardo Bueno's team. Um, sorry, you're interested in, you know, a home on whatever, or sorry, you're interested in refinancing. 
do you want to jump on a call or do you want to continue via text? So you're, you're basically asking them what how they prefer to communicate. Yeah, and if they're not responsive, we'll keep following up. But like, there are so many people who go, "Oh, thanks, text works. I'm at work," and yeah. they're willing to text. They just can't get on the phone right now in front of their boss or whatever. Like, they're obviously looking at property at work, but or <laughs> but that's quiet. <laughs> yeah, like, it's obvious if your phone rings and you're talking about your house or whatever. But so, or there's the laying in bed thing. It's eleven o'clock at night, and they. They're interested and they would be willing to have a text conversation, but there's no way they're going to get on the phone with you. You guys have like that Jake from State Farm moment where <laughs> is like texting you at 11 o'clock and who are you talking to? So all the, all the concierge at first go by the name of Alex. And this is a funny thing because we <sighs> tested it. We, t- we tested Casey because it used to all be Casey. Really? Yeah. And so we took well, we, it's, it's a unisex name. So you're not ever caught off guard, you know. Yeah. He, she, whatever. Yeah. We made a list of all the gender neutral names and then like dropped them uh-huh. in different places. Yeah, there's Sam, Pat, Oliver, <laughs> Taylor. And uh, and we tried them out and, and Alex was the most trustworthy or the most responsive. Oh, wow. So, so here's what's really cool is so now all of my marketing and all of, all of my entire process, I'm pre-framing. You can expect a call from Alex. And they'll introduce you to somebody that can help. So I actually know that Alex is always going to be the one calling. So when you get my thank you page on, on my lead pops form, it says, hey, expect a call from Alex. I love you know, that. You, follow the, you may have a text from Alex already. By the time you're reading this. Yeah. We always say in real estate, you're pre-framing the conversation how you want it to go, right? So didn't you get like a 20% lift in conversion off of lead pops? That did increase conversion, but the the specific mention of the person that's going to be following up should translate into an increase in contact. It wouldn't have any impact on the conversion rate on yeah. the But this type of follow-up, this this type of strict follow-up regimen that when we've got life going on and we're running our business, we're not necessarily sticking to with every single lead consistently. But that has increased the contact and conversion of any of our leads exponentially. The, the very second you start asking yourself, man, should we hire somebody to follow up on leads and take phone calls? That's when I started thinking about outsourcing. Here's a question I have or an area that I'm always met with a little resistance. I always think it's best to automate and or hire out your contact and conversion process just because I think that's the best way for you to maximize your return on investment. I met with resistance when people say things like, okay, but how good are they at what they do? (laughs) Or how effective are they? I can do it myself. It's almost like there's this belief that I can do it better. It's kind of like the thing, right? Well, and that's a a completely legitimate concern. but, but the challenge is, is the difference between you consistently following up every single time. It's, it's almost that you sacrifice what you perceive to be the highest quality conversation with the ability to have more conversations. Because you're right. Once you get on the phone, you are the person that you want to have that conversation with. But what we're talking about is completely different. Like, like what Daniel said at the beginning. He said, you know, 95% of the leads are junk. Well, 50% of the leads, for the most part, you're not even going to talk to, period. 
So who's following up on those, especially if you get into purchase money, purchase money, and depending on how you're advertising for purchase money, a lot of these are very early entry buyers. They may not be ready right now. They may not want to answer a text today, but they may follow up at, at some point in the future. Daniel, I'm curious, when someone hires you, they had that pushback that Ricardo you know, mentioned, but they've yeah. sort of grudgingly decided to spend money on your service. How much of an increase in follow-up do you guys provide to people who hire you versus what they told you they were doing before? Those metrics are really... That's what we always want. Like We want the metrics as much as we can. I mean, you, I'm not probably going to surprise you to say that they don't ever or almost ever have them. They have what they think are their metrics or like, mm-hmm. I'm right making phone calls. And Ricardo, your point's exactly right. Like, And if they're not better than a concierge service like of people sitting in a building somewhere, if they're not better at talking to clients, then they should probably stop doing this, right? Like, They should be better at talking to clients than we, than we are. And like, if there's a prioritization and they can talk to every single client who comes in or every single lead that comes in, then they should. The problem is that doesn't exist, right? There's no... It's not, not possible. It's just it's not, not what well, and what we're trying to do is like that is actually our goal. Like, it, what what sh- what can we do with a hundred leads? We can get thirty of them to get onto phone conversations with you instead of the ten that you're getting right now. You're going to have great conversations with those ten, and you're not, you know, you might not get to the other ninety. Like, the point of what we're doing is is trying to get more of those conversations, get more of those face to faces, get more of those appointments. So, as far as like what the the increase or lift and follow up that they're going to get through us. Basically, what we're guaranteeing is if somebody is responsive or if somebody's interested in talking with someone, we're going to give them someone to talk to for six months. And it's not to say that if you were the agent called on day four, you wouldn't get a hold of them and had a good conversation. Like, And no one's stopping you from doing that either. But if you do have a, a business and you're going to go forward and keep, you know, talk, keep engaging with your current clients and finding new clients... Versus in the background, kind of making sure that nothing falls, falls through the cracks, that anybody who's ready to have a conversation gets kicked back to you. That's that's kind of where we shine. So the average, I don't know, what, what's the average agent or broker do for lead follow-up? It's, you know, it's a couple calls and then automation. Sometimes they have call centers, but call, like the call center thing is, it goes back to the problem of people not picking up their phones. Especially, and, and it's, it's odd, you guys... To most people who are just starting lead gen, I know everyone's kind of been in it for a while, but when we had customers, this is farther back, who just started getting leads, and it still happens with lead pops now sometimes, they just have they have 10 leads and they go, All right, well, Daniel, I got 10 leads out of the 10, like three of them they didn't answer, and then one of them was kind of interested. I'm gonna talk to him later. Like they're examining every single lead and they're kind of going, So we're at about a 70%, you know, a 30% conversion so far, and you're like, you have 10 leads. The lead game is it's big, right? it's, it takes time. It takes it's numbers. It's like, like you're going to get 100 leads in a month and they go, well, what about number 72? And you're like, yes, 72 is important. But like, this is a longer you, picture game. You need, you need to collect some like better, good data. Exactly. Well, we had somebody, for example, that I think spent 200 or 300 a month on Facebook ads. They got 24 leads and they said, okay, these leads suck. This doesn't work. I want to try something else. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's nowhere near a large enough sample size. It's how most people start. And you either swear off leads or you start building a better system. What I want to kind of circle back on also, because you did mention this, but you, it, we, I don't know if we spent enough time on it. You guys are constantly analyzing your conversion. You're constantly analyzing your conversations. You're looking to see where the conversations are stopping or where they're starting. 
And you're constantly trying to improve that. I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, and, and Ricardo, you and I have written a ton of script for this automation. And we, 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 we did pretty good, but for a while. And then if it didn't work, I never went back and, and like tried <laughs> to figure out why it didn't work and, and trying, to, trying to tweak it. There is some fluidity to following up with leads. I mean, perceptions change, uh, behavior shift. Like you said, in 2018, you saw a significant difference. You guys, that was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was years ago, but it wasn't. Yeah. And then two years before that, it was a completely different way that you would follow up. So, you know, let's talk about the conversion numbers a little bit, Daniel. Let me let me share. I, I pulled up some screenshots. So we don't do these things to promote these services. You know, we call this session tools from the trench because this is stuff that we're using in our business. We just happen to meet cool people and we think uh, it's valuable to share some of this with everybody so that this conversation is a lot different than if you talk to a salesperson or, or your, percep- your perceived conversation with a salesperson. If you call up, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. So that's why we're kind of having these conversations. So Daniel, I took some screenshots. I kind of want to go through some of the things that really stood out to me. And if you see anything in here that is typical or untypical, that would be great to to follow up on. So this is was uh, 12 months worth of leads. Um, and this is everything. So I've broken it out to between organic traffic, people finding my website through a, a Google search. Um, I'd say that's a higher trust lead. There's a bunch of Facebook ads in there. And then there's some phone calls. These numbers for me are really, really exciting. We're qualifying. Now, to be fair, quali- a qualified verse lead I don't let you guys qualify many leads. If you can get a warm body on the phone, I want to talk to them, whether they're ready now or whether they'll be ready in six months. But you do have the ability, if you're a a customer, you do have the ability to say, ask these questions. And if if one of these answers is so-and-so unqualified to lead. So hold on. I want to make sure that we're clear and we explain something to people because uh, when we talk about conversion, when we talk about qualified Mm-hmm. Can we define that a little bit? Because I'll have people who say qualified means they're ready to submit an offer or qualified yeah. means yeah. I have a listing contract. And that's not the case here. That's not what we're talking about. How I explain it is I say it's a person that that verified that they filled out a form. They knew what they were filling out the form for and they agreed to talk to a person. To me, that's a qualified lead. Each of our clients can set out their own parameters for qualification. So there's like, we make our suggestions. We don't want to, the first call, they almost start, like people start talking about things that they don't want. I don't want to talk to anyone with credit scores below 580. I don't want to do it. If they're renters or, you know, whatever, like there's a list, you know, people have their own stuff. But for real estate, the qualifications also include not having, not working or not under contract with an agent already. So not to step on anybody's toes. Are you already working with someone? But as Scott said, and and this is what I would recommend, especially at the beginning of keep the net wide. Like if you get too much, you know, if you get too many cans and like tin cans and license plates, then you can start kind of narrowing your net and saying, like, if anybody says they're they're not they're unemployed right now, I don't really want to like have a conversation with them or whatever it is. You can you can set it up, and we can be empathetic and compassionate in our dismissals or unqualifications. But yeah, so we consider in the mortgage world, anybody who's responsive, positively responsive, 
interested in talking about their options and moves forward in, in either giving us a time, um, scheduling an appointment on the calendar, or we're actually live transferring to the LO. But then we're leaving it to the agent or the lender to pick up the phone, contact that lead, and move them across the finish line. You're not cashing commission checks, in other words. The agent still needs to do the work in between. And speaking of answer rates, the live transfer rates are terrible. And that's when the LO knows that we're calling with a lead. It comes up as verse on their phone and they don't pick up the phone. And appointments actually, are they do decently if there's the right... And we can get to that later about how to, how to optimize for that. No, I, I do want to. I do want to talk about the appointments because that's exactly what I've seen as well. Yeah. Um, you look at this thing. You guys tried to transfer almost three hundred calls. I bet you three of them were answered. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but most of them end being end up being uh, calendar appointments. Globally, this is almost twenty five percent of the leads that we generated globally. Your guys are contacting them, and you know you sit there and you think about how many phone calls or how many attempts. Well. You kind of have some numbers here, right? You sent 71,000 text messages. You read 15,000 text messages. You know, you guys put in a lot of work. That I don't know how many people would want to do this. This is a number that was really interesting to me is the after hours, the at night, what is it called? At night and on weekends, 43% of the leads come in at night and on the weekends. The thing that I love about this is you probably were going to miss that. You're going to miss that business. Right, you're going to miss that opportunity to get a hold of that person. This is the organic traffic. This is again pretty good. This is a little bit higher than 25%, but still we've got 42% that are after hours. 830 phone calls that you guys took. One of the little tips and tricks and secrets with with Verse is you get assigned a number. I actually use that number as the the phone number on my website. So when people are calling, I have a 24-7 person answering the call. One of the metrics that Verse relies heavily on when they're, they send out a weekly report and they say, they don't say this was your activity. They say, this is how much time we saved you. And I love that because that's what a lot of this is, is it's the time that they save. So while only 20% of the phone calls came in after hours, only 45% of them were actually qualified. I don't show that on here, but when I look at it, a lot of that was spam calls and things that we didn't, you know, we wouldn't have wanted to talk to those people. And then the last one is the Facebook traffic where it's significantly less, significantly less qualified, a little bit less responded, but it's a big difference, right? So that's, that's, that's where you're talking about the difference between something that's organic and then something that's, that's paid. It's going to be a little bit different of a difference. But then again, here we've got almost 50% of them because a lot of these are home search ads, right? If you want to buy this home or look at this home. So, you know, a lot of times people are looking at those at night or they're looking them on the weekends. So those were some of my numbers. Does anything jump out here? Does this look pretty consistent with, with what you see? When you were talking about Facebook ads, and this is a distinction that people make sometimes, or we make in our own statistics, which is, do you, have you guys talked about lead pops or has Andrew been on here before? Yeah, we actually talked about lead pops last week or a couple of weeks ago. So anytime you can further qualify a lead through automation, like funnels where they can answer a few questions before they come to Verse, like, um, it, it definitely would lower the number of leads that you would send to Verse, but you would also send stuff. Yeah. 
So like a Facebook short format, I think Scott just showed his, it was a, like a 10% conversion rate or somewhere around there. Something that comes through lead pops. We do o- over 10,000 lead pops leads in the last three months and they're converting at about 32%. If you can get leads from to go from Facebook to some kind of funnel, you're going to save yourself some aggravation and time. You're going to like the people who weren't interested in filling out the funnel. You, you could argue that you might have gotten them or maybe they were really interested but didn't want to fill out funnels which doesn't make much sense but you're basically going to like get you're going to get people who are interested to follow through the funnel you're going to get a bunch of information up front that's going to allow you to prioritize your your efforts right because you're going to know what their credit scores are or you know their their income and what they're looking at and then versus also going to have a much higher chance of converting those so lead pops leads when people are coming to us looking for lead for lead sources within the mortgage world there's a lot of reasons to create a website and put lead pops funnels on it for anybody that's not familiar, Lead Pops is really, it's sort of a gamified lead capture form where they're filling out one, one field at a time and then the next field appears. And there's about, like on a purchase money lead, there's about 13 to 15 data points um, that you're collecting. Actually, I, we did a podcast quite a few months ago where I showed the difference between the Facebook short forms and the Lead Pops. And the Lead Pops were about over 30% qualified where the short forms were significantly less. And so that number is skewed a little bit low. But that goes back to what we talked about. Follow-up has a lot to do with, with how you're collecting the lead and what and setting the expectation of the consumer has a lot to do with it as well. If you're Ricardo and you're going through that form and you get all the way to the end, you've just answered all these questions, you're bought in, and then a text message arrives like right when you're done and it says, hey, I'm with the thing that you just filled out. <laughs> like, do you want to talk? Like the chances of them continuing that momentum, like they already have the momentum and the interest. They're essentially they're at peak interest right now. If you wait until tomorrow when they're getting coffee, like they just might not be that interested, or, or they, they might be as interested but without the motivation or without the momentum. Uh, I was going to make a note about the twenty four seven because the twenty four seven is a really big piece, and it came from the days when we actually we built it for ourselves, right? Like this solution is so that we would stop, we would make more money with our referral program and our gently generation for the real estate agents. We ran reports on what happened when on leads that were coming in between 8 p.m. and 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. when we were not in the office and we ran reports on how our conversion rates were and they were terrible. We're like, well, I don't, what are we going to do about this? We're still spending money. Like you can't turn them off. And we experimented by having, by having two people come on two shifts, you know, like the six to 12 shift and the 12 to six shift. That was however many years ago, four or five years ago. Logistically, it's a pain in the ass. Nobody wants to have 24-7. Nobody does it. We're the only people who do it. And it, it, the reason is like staffing for it is annoying and you have to have systems in place. But we've done it because it, it, it does actually work. And if you turn it off, things get worse. So just by virtue of the fact that we do it means that it, it's better. We wouldn't do it if, it if it didn't help. I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone like a night nurse or a night doctor who is thinking about buying. They don't get attended to because they're sleeping during the day. And when they're probably most interested at work, you know, they got a break, they're looking. The amount of loyalty you would get from me if I was a night doctor or a night nurse and you responded to me at three in the morning and said, Hey, want to talk? I'd be like, Hell yeah. Like I'd be so on board <laughs> with you and your team. It would be amazing. I would, I would just be over the moon. And it would be really hard for me, I think, to shift to working with somebody else because I knew that, you know, Alex from such and such real estate company was there and responsive. And 
you cared about me in with my weird schedule. Like it's just, I don't know, something about that just feels like you're in the trenches with me and there's a kind of camaraderie there and it's it's awesome. In the beginning days, real estate agents would be like, well, don't they, they I want them to know that you're with me. Like you, I want them to think that you're a part of my team. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to call from the right same number. It's kind of like, we're going to represent ourselves as part of your team. But like, they don't think that you're up at three in the morning calling doctors, <laughs> right? Like, it's okay for them to suspend the disbelief. Like, it, even if you're spending money to make someone available to talk with the doctor, that like doesn't have to be like the fantasy that there's a 24 hour real estate agent. They get it. But the idea that someone's there for you when you want to talk feels good, right? It's comforting. Yeah. It's, you're with them. Yeah, that, that was the point I was going to bring up because that, that argument is also the, the, that's the next argument after. I'm the best person to follow up on these leads. There, there's no downside to somebody saying, "Oh, yeah, well, Dustin sleeps during the day, so <laughs> I'm going to get all your information. I'm going to get it together, and then what time? What's the, what's the best time for him to reach out to you tomorrow?" Just having any sort of responsiveness at all. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Daniel, because we want some real good nuggets for for our group here, without giving away any proprietary information or too many details. What are some of the coolest ways that you've seen people leverage your services, either creative marketing or advertising, or what are some creative ways that you kind of look at it and said, wow, I, I don't know if I would have thought of that. Well, I did think of it, Scott, and I suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> so all we have to do is call you for all yeah, that. That's awesome. One of them was mailers. I don't know why more people don't do this. Like, like Scott said, you've got a phone number for Verse. Uh, so anytime someone calls that phone number versus going to pick up and qualify the lead and put them on your calendar or live transfer them to you. If you're sending out a 10,000 piece mailer and you have a phone number on there and that phone number is your cell phone or your office phone or something, you might get calls that are garbage. Like people can call those and have, you know, they can be bad leads or they can be pissed at you for sending junk mail or whatever. Not just like, that, you'd, you'd have like tracking in place to be able to see what your return is or some semblance of a return. That is another piece, which is you should be using a different seed or a different lead source for each of the different source, even landing pages or even ads that you're using. You can track that in, in Scott's dashboard that he showed you. You can see what the engagement rate is and what the what the response rate is and also what the qualification rate is. So if you want to know where to spend your money, you might you might have run an ad that just got ridiculous high engagement rates and you wouldn't even know. If, I mean, if it was yourself, you'd be able to track going, oh, well, that seemed like it was good, but you wouldn't know exactly how many of them responded and exactly how qualified they were. So mailers are, are something, I don't know why everyone doesn't just put our phone number on it and make an account for the office and have everyone who does mailers send them out. This is how we accidentally got into mortgage, which was real estate agents saying, hey, can my LO get in on this? Can he pay for this? And the way that we structured Verse was that we built it for real estate agents, right? So there's a broker seat and then there's like all the agent seats. So the broker wants to be able to see what's happening all the time with their agents, how they're doing on lead conversion and all that. But that also works for marketing agencies who want to use Verse. That works for like, so if you have clients or you're generating leads and you want to put them under there. But that also works for brokers or, or loan officers who have agent partners that they'd like to set up with Verse accounts. And each of those can look like their own account. So like the fact that people aren't doing that all the time is as a business plan, it makes so much sense. Because that's call or text, right? So, yeah. so they call or text that number 24-7. 
you know, I'm I'm thinking your email signature. I, I'm thinking I, I'm thinking. Well, what Ricardo said is testing some of these things. But you know, if you put out an ad and you have a phone number on it, most people have no idea how many people actually engaged with that particular ad or that marketing piece. So you have the ability to to have a different tracking number, call it different analytics for every single for every single landing page. All right, so mailer is a mailer is a huge one, and it seems kind of obvious, but I can see where people would would miss that. Is there anything else that you've seen that has kind of blown your mind a little yeah, bit? Yeah, and this maybe it may not apply to everyone, but if you're doing webinars, if you have a webinar with registrations, you've got 200 registrations, for example, and you can get phone numbers from them. Like every webinar I attend, I get an email that says like, "Thanks for attending." Like, and then I'm on a, and then I'm on a stream of like junky, you know, like not spammy, but junky kind of like content mail, email. And nobody ever texts me and says like, was that awesome? I'm, I'm really, I I was pumped. Would love to connect. Let me know if you want to, if, if you want to jump into a conversation or let me know if you'd like to book an appointment, you know, I'd love to follow up or, you, you know, like from Alex, of course especially as conventions wind down and virtual conventions become more popular. If you are branding yourself and getting people to attend webinars, why not throw verse on when the webinar is over and have us follow up with everyone who attended? If you were a super busy listing agent and let's say you had three to five houses that are open every weekend, could you almost do the same thing with your open house log? (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah, we would time it so that obviously you don't like the way, the way you would, the way we would normally follow up with a lead is a lead gets created like the, the the form is filled out and it gets shot into our system and we reach out right away. You wouldn't want that with an open house because they'd still be in the house technically usually. So if they're filling out like a if they're using a tablet or if they're registering for open house in other ways, but yeah, so we usually delay the time so that we're reaching out to them on Monday and just saying. Hope that was valuable. So yes, open houses for sure. You can upload CSVs of all the people who attended open houses. Yeah, the, all all of that's being used now, but I think not enough. Now, and to get super geeky, you guys um, have a really good uh, Zapier integration. So even if you have a, a digital open house registration on your iPad, there's probably a way to automatically send those to Verse. And because the campaign is set up and they know what it is, you'll time it so that you'll just reach out to them later. And along kind of along those same lines, you've been kind of experimenting with trying to heat up, warm up old leads too, right? We've always stayed away from it. The number one question from real estate agents in the mortgage world is like the pain of the past is worse than the future pain, right? So like anybody who's starting a lead source now is saying, well, I'm going to do better. Like I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, they they have a feeling of hope about the future, but they have a really bad feeling about all those leads that they let go in the past or those. So if people have databases of past clients, we've all we stayed away from it from T, for TCPA compliance purposes. Mm-hmm. Like if you generated a lead two years ago and you have this big old database that you you know there's gold in there, like you can't just start texting those people out of nowhere. You have to, you have to be compliant. So you want them to be kind of recent if they're they're not a customer like if they're not if they haven't done business with you you have to just make sure that you're you're being compliant with it but yeah we'll we allow people to let's say you've been doing campaigns and you've gotten 
500 leads in the last two months from this one lead source and you weren't able to convert a lot of them, you can upload those to first and we'll start reaching out with a different script that makes that make sense. And those are, those convert a lot lower, you know, they're like, but they're cheaper to do with first because we don't, we don't have to do as much work, right? That's where the AI comes in. So we are, our AI is also named Alex Parker. So we have an AI piece. But uh, did you guys know Alex has a last name? It's Parker. No, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Anna Persona, like the, the, the VP of the concierge team, like has an animated like person who speaks as Alex Parker. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But Alex Parker takes care of non-responsive leads. So people who never respond continue to get automation. Um, Alex Parker takes care of the beginning of some of our conversations where it's easy enough. So hi, this is Alex with um, the Scott Shang mortgage team or we, and we saw you're interested in, do you want to talk via text or do you want to jump on a quick call? And if they say text, well, we know what to say. Alex knows what to say next, right? Because that was easy. We just go to the next response. And if the next answer is also very easy or very... Alex can take care of the beginning part of those conversations. And then... If the, the question goes sideways or if there's something that they don't understand, then Alex taps on the human and the human pops up in front of their console and, and they take over. I'll tell you, I'm super impressed with the quality of the conversations that your team has. I mean, they really are. They're not, they're not a bunch of people overseas. They have no clue on what they're doing. They've been in the real estate. and they, it, it sounds like they're in the space. It sounds like they're in our industry. They're asking good questions. And the conversations are really good. I mean, I, I'm continuously impressed with their ability to keep the conversation going and really drill down and, and ask follow-up questions. No, they, no, but that's true. They, 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 and they get training on different clients as they come on. And they get like, there's a heads up, hey, we're onboarding a new client and their, their qualification factors are this, this, and this. And they get training on it. And when something does pop up on their screen, the console, we built the console ourselves. And patent pending on on some of the technology that we have, but the console will pop up when AI it doesn't know what to do in the beginning, and it'll pop up, and now someone takes over. But they have a full, you know, there's a big picture of Scott there and Scott's house and lots of personal details. <laughs> Docs every time. There's a, <laughs> that's awesome. There's a live uh, cam, live camera of Scott at his desk. That's um, awesome. No, but all the information, all the scripts and everything pop up in front of them and they know exactly what to do. It's, that's, and that's why, Scott, because they get training on everybody. So that it's not like a call center in the Philippines where they have no idea what, like they're jumping from selling, you know, insurance from on, on one call and the next time they're doing something else. It's everybody's trained. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Yeah. So what do you think, Dustin? <laughs> you kind of look at it. You don't generate a ton of leads. I mean, I think it's really interesting because... You know, I just had a conversation earlier today. One of my sales reps said to me, Hey, Dustin, I'm thinking about getting rid of our drip campaign. And, you know, why don't we just get rid of it and I'll just follow up with the leads manually? And I just told him point blank, You're not going to follow up with the leads. Awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and, and these guys know, like, I've, it's, I've been on a bit of a journey with my sales team and I always want to be encouraging, but I've been thinking a lot more about how Michael Jordan used to push his Bulls championship winning Bulls team. <laughs> And he was an a-hole to his yeah. teammates. That was basically, he just, he just gave it to him straight. And that's, that's the straight word for not just my sales team, but really for a lot of sales teams out there, which is, you're not going to follow up. You're not. You're going to put all this money. You know, you sit here, and I've done it. I've, Daniel, I've been this guy so many times. 
I agonize over whether I'm going to spend money on print. I agonize whether I'm going to spend money on digital. I agonize whether I'm going to you know, invest in this thing or that thing. And some sales guy with a smile and a nice car flashes me all kinds of stories about you know, how I'm going to get all this exposure, blah, 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 blah. I go drop the money. And whatever little business comes in, I'm terrible with it. And the follow-up process for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. I couldn't tell you. I'm sure you know because you've talked with enough people. The follow-up process doesn't happen. And then it's like, it all just I might as well have just put that money in a wood chipper. Daniel, what I love about the stories you're telling right now is that you guys are on it. You're there from moment one. You've got, you know, one of the things you were mentioning earlier about how you came up with the name Alex, right? Sourcing it from a bunch of other names. It reminded me of some mailing I've gotten from Tesla because I've had my eye on a Tesla for a little bit. <laughs> one of the things they pointed out was that their automated, their autonomous driving is the product of billions of driving hours from you know hundreds of thousands of Tesla owners around the world. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you think you're the Superman of follow-up. You aren't doing burst.io level of follow-up in terms of quantity. Because you just you don't have that much follow-up to do. You don't. And so you guys are learning in real time, right down to the name of the person who's actually following up what works. And that is freaking cool, man. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, here's what I would build on that as well, Dustin, is is let's say, first of all, you can't scale if you're trying to do everything yourself. That's no. that's the bottom line. You'll never grow. But in our industry, we 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 have this very common, they call it the roller coaster, where you get really, really busy and you get a bunch of business, then you're so busy working on that business that you don't have time to do prospecting. So then you close all of those deals and now you haven't been prospecting for three weeks because you've been busy trying to close out these deals. So now you've got to go back to prospecting. And quite frankly, following up on leads is probably above your pay scale if you've been in the business for a long time. But this maybe I am the best well, at following no, up. But, 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 this, what if it, but what if it works, right? If it works and I get a bunch of deals coming in, I'm not following up with any of the other leads. I don't have anything in the hopper. Because I'm busy trying to get the paycheck. This goes back to what Dustin used to say a while back, highest and best use of time. You should be doing $1,000 an hour work, not $5 an hour work. And if I can outsource the grunt work of having somebody try to qualify an appointment for me, like you should. We're not saying you're grunts. And and kudos to you, Dustin, for telling... Like, that's where guidance to your sales team, like, you know, people don't know better. They they actually do think I could do the follow-up and get... Like, again... Yes, you're, you probably would be a better person to talk to, to these leads than having someone out, like having someone live transfer them. Like we should probably try to decrease the amount of friction, if, if at all possible, from getting to the actual person they need to talk to. But you know that that's not the best use of their time. That, like, no, they, they should be going out and doing like they should be going out and making relationships. They should be going like they should be talking to their current customers, chasing leads or answering the phone for possible leads when we know what the conversion rates are when we do what we do. That's just not a good use of their time. It's good. I mean, it's good you told them that because they, they, I would, I would try to take it on myself too. It's like DIY projects at my house. Like when we went, or, we, we bought the house that we're in right now. And I like, I pulled up the corner of the carpet and I saw hard wood under there. And I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to redo these floors. Like I'm going to put gains on yourself and your family. And I did it, but it was like, it's not as good. Like it wasn't anywhere near as fun as you thought it would be. <laughs> I look at it now. Well, 
first of all, I, like I didn't know there was that many carpet tacks that go like you know the little. <laughs> stuff, I didn't. I didn't know that there was going to be like I figured it was glue or something. I also didn't know there was a special tool. This is this is all still an analogy, guys. Stay with me. <laughs> I didn't know when we pull up a corner of the carpet, there's going to be like, and they were rusty. And there, I didn't know there was a tool that specifically was for taking out carpet tacks. So I was using needle nose pliers. Oh. And, and it it took, uh, and then once I got it up, I, I, rented the, I rented the floor sander from Home Depot. But I had to rent a truck too because it couldn't fit in my car, you know? And uh, long story short, when I look at it now, I go, eh, probably should have just hired someone to do that. Like, <laughs> that is a perfect analogy, Daniel, because everybody out there is like, oh, you know what? This sounds like a great marketing campaign. Yeah, I'm going to throw a bunch of money into this marketing campaign. And then they don't think about, well, what happens after it works? Yeah. Right. You're going to pick up all the carpet tax is what I'm just... It's the little things that you don't know that you don't know that yeah. cost you the time and yeah. at the end of the day cost you the business. And what I love about what you guys are doing is you've explored those little things. You know those little things. You've adapted to those little things. You're always adapting. It takes, I think, a mature salesperson to recognize that the highest and best use of time is not to be doing that, but to be doing the thing that frankly, doesn't change over time, which is two humans sitting down once there's an established rapport, once there's established value, and just closing the deal. Yeah. And you know that's exactly you guys. You guys lay it up for someone to do that. And I think that's, that's awesome. And I'll do what Andrew Pollack of Lead Pops did, which was Andrew wrote an entire book called The Mortgage Marketing Mastermind, something like that, where he gave everything that he does away for free. Like he said, here's how you do it. Here's how you run ads. I'll give it all away for free. And if you need help at the end, come see me. That's been a really good model for them. And I think I would say if you guys, if anybody out there is doing their own marketing automation and you're putting, you're sending, you know, you're getting leads and you send out a first text and the first text should offer a phone call or a text message. So anybody can take that little tidbit away like if you get a if you get a lead from somewhere even if it's a, a referral from a from a broker or from an agent like maybe texting them first and going hey this is my, introduce yourself would you prefer to, to get on a call or do you would you rather have a text message conversation like that has been so transformative to what we do and is something that everybody can implement right now the the only caveat and this is the, where the sales part comes in make sure that you're able to follow up on whatever you said you're going to do. So if they said, is a call good right now? If Even if that's automated, make sure if they say, yeah, a call would be good right now that a call goes out. Right. Like, right. You can't give them the option and then not, not answer for two hours, which happens if you're busy and doing other things. So that that's where verse, that's where verse provides the humans provides the service for that. So anyway, I, I would recommend that everybody put in their automation, at least giving choices now these days. And, and maybe even offer email as, as one of them. Awesome. Well, with that tidbit, it has been an hour. Daniel, really appreciate your time. It's been super helpful. And listen, if you want to catch more podcasts just like this with great information on how you can grow your business, we recommend checking out some of the other podcasts in the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative. We're a member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative. And you can check out those podcasts at realdisrupt.com. And then if you want to check out Daniel's service, it's verse.io. Verse, B-E-R-S-E dot I-O. Until next time, this has been The Marketing Trench. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.